Um, I do have a message, and I, for whatever reason, the Lord just, you know, yesterday I was in my office, and, and, and something happened. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into the, the details of it, but something happened, and the Lord began to say that, to, that, this, that today was a vital shifting. Like, we're, there's some, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. That today was going to be important. And there was a shifting that was taking place in the body, in the bride, and even for this region. And uh, so I'm just excited because I'm like, God, Lord, that's like you're putting a lot of pressure on a message that I don't even know about, you know. Um, But for those who know me, you know the style that I minister. You know my heart. You know how, how we... The DNA of the house, and and you know we, we we talk about the pillars of truth and who is God and who are we and what have we been given and what are we doing with what we've been given and and that's the model, the lenses of the kingdom perspective that we want to view things from and and, and that's how we see things, you know and, and and that's that's what we believe, you know who is who is God? Man, God is love, and everything that we see comes from that perspective and those lenses and. And that's how we minister. That's how we prophesy. That's how we, you know, everything. That's where it comes from. Knowing the character and the nature of God. We've been, we've been in this, this secret place school. And all about the secret place is going deeper into the heart, the chamber of God. But you can't go deeper into the chambers of God if you don't know who God is. So knowing who God is is so important. But I heard this in the Spirit. He said, the Lord says, now is the time. And I know that's so cliche. You know, like, oh, now is the time. Oh, yeah, it's always the time, right? No, but the Lord said, now is the time. I said, okay, Lord. You know, we think about, like, what's going on right now. And, and you, 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 it's like everything looks so scary. You know, I mean, you know, we're, we're believers, so we, we don't have fear. But, you know, you look at the television, you look at the, the headline news, and everything looks like calamity is everywhere, you know. But we've been here before. It's not like, you know, it, it's like, it's like we, we've seen this stuff before, you know. Some of us who have, have birthdays have seen more of it than others. <laughs> but we've been here before, right? You know, and, and and so, but we so we 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 just kind of, it's a scary time. At the same time, like Lord, are you coming? You know, and we, listen, I've been hearing He's, we're in the end days. We're in the end days, and I believe we're in the end days. But time, to us, is different to time of God. You know, so we don't know what a day looks like to the Lord. Well, we do, but. We don't have an understanding when he comes. But chaos is in the land. We see nations are at war right now, right? We see what's happening in the Ukraine and, and Russia, and then now they talk about nuclear. And so we see wars and rumors of war. It's, it's in the word. It's going to happen. We are literally right now in a biblical timing right now in 2022. 2022. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We are, 
We are living in a season of his grace and his mercy. You know, we, we really are. We are we're living right now in a season of his grace and his mercy. And God has chosen to bless us, not curse us. You see, that's, that's, the, that's important because we need, that's knowing who God is. He's not waiting for you to make this crazy mistake so he can curse you to see. No, that's not who he is. He's, he's choosing to bless us. God chose mercy. Now, this is important because I felt like I heard the Lord say this to me. He says, I've chosen mercy, not judgment. But this can change at any time. And that gripped me. You know, because at any moment, his mercy can change to his judgment. And I, I, I need, listen, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not, this is not a message of condemnation. This is not a message of fear. This is a message of, listen, he is a good God and his, he is love, but his judgment is in love. When he judges, he judges righteously. And he judges in love. But he says that, that this can change at any time. But the truth is God wants to see revival inside of you and I. He wants revival in our homes, in our families, in our marriages. He wants to see revival. Now listen, I'm not just talking about a group of meetings that we like, rah, rah. No, I'm talking a total life change where we're walking and living a lifestyle unto the kingdom of God, where we're walking in an open heaven and the fullness of the glory of God. That Listen, come on, that's what I'm talking about. How many of you want that? I want that. That there's no infirmity. There's no sickness. Why? Because the glory of God. <laughs> you know, it's illegal in the kingdom to be sick. It's illegal. And last night I was asking for payment for my shoulder. That's illegal in the kingdom. But until we come to the fullness of the reality of sonship, are you getting what I'm saying? See, there's a difference. We just haven't arrived yet. But the kingdom says, behold, the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God is at hand. And what is in the kingdom of God? All of heaven. And what's in heaven? All of the glory and the splendor, the presence, the power, everything's in heaven. So what does that mean? That means the heaven, the atmosphere of heaven changes everything. And that means that all of earth is invaded by heaven. And that means that the glory of God is in heaven. It's here on earth. Come on, that excites me. Man, I feel the glory, guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> Come on, man. Holy Ghost. 
And normally I wouldn't be this excited about this kind of message. But, but it's good. I'm feeling drunk in the glory. Dr- I'm not drunk as you may see. But I'm telling you, I feel the glory. Now is the time. Now is the time to break up the topsoil of our hearts. To break open the topsoil of our hearts. To allow the word of God to dwell. Man, can you imagine just, just, (laughs) the word made flesh. Oh, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Now is the time to drop all of our heavy burdens. Listen, we're believers and we're walking around with our heads down. Defeated. We walk around defeated. We walk around like we've been battered and beaten up. And, 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 like, and then we want to go evangelize and witness to people like, bro, really? You want me to serve your God? You, no, no. You look more beat up than I am. Right? It's true. It's a true story. We have, to, we have to learn to drop down our heavy burdens at the foot of the cross and take his yoke upon us. Now is the time to cast down our cares upon Jesus because he cares for you and I. Now is the time. Holy Spirit. Now is the time to respond to God's favor. God wants to bless you. But some of us don't know how to receive. (laughs) Some of us don't know how to receive. Some of us don't understand the principle of blessing. I'm going to tell you. Sometimes you got to give to receive. So if you're not being blessed, try blessing. Try being a blessing. And I'm not talking about just monies and finances. Be a blessing. Love on people. Give courage. Give give words of of encouragement. Love on people. Say, hey, man, Josh, you look great today, bro. I love the beard, man. You walk in the room, you just light up the room. And that's a true story. You walk in the room, bro, and you light the room up, man. That's the glory of the Lord that's upon you, that you shift atmospheres. That's why the favor of God is upon you. That's why Sean Foyt is saying, will you do this for me? Will you do that for me? Because of favor. Some of us need to learn how to respond to the favor. God's favor is upon us. But one of the major things that's missing from the church right now is holiness. Is holiness. Listen, I, I've been 
I've been in the, the, the charismatic, you know, I, I mean, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call it, non-denominational. There's a lot of amazing things, but there's a lot of kooky things, too. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. There's a lot of fake stuff out All right, come on. <laughs> come on, Energizer. Uh, <laughs> but holiness, we've gotten away from the place. That's why what we're, what we're doing, this school, it's so important. It's so important on, on going deeper. You see, the Lord is call, he's calling forth the remnant. The remnant bride. Who is the remnant? It's the chosen, elected. It's a generation of people who will set themselves aside for the more. I, I mean, I use the, the, the thing about, you think about a football team when they go to the Super Bowl. Everybody, if you're on the team, you all get a ring. You know, even the water board probably. And they never step foot on the field. But you have the select group that goes in. They do what they're called to do. The Lord is calling forth the elect, the remnant. Those who will say, listen, I'll set aside my time and go and spend 18 hours in a school because I'm hungry for more. We, we, we have replaced the intimacy with God, of God. We've replaced the intimacy with God with, with big screens and smoke and lights and stages and click tracks and three, two, one, hit it, cue, smoke. We, we've, in uh, time sermons, oh, I, I, I go to this church because, man, they're out in an hour. People won't go to church because you're more than an hour. Like, oh, no, they, that guy talks too long. Oh, I go to this church because they do 15 minutes of worship, and then the, listen, we are, a, 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 Lord Jesus, holiness. We come here to worship the King of Kings. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Listen, I'm not using this pulpit to bash ministries. But I will say that there's a responsibility that we have as leaders to speak the truth. And we have to speak the truth. The fear of the Lord needs to come back to the church. That's, it's missing. And now listen, when I say that, I'm not talking about the fear like, oh, he's going to punish me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the reverential fear of God. You know, I've heard people when they talk about encounters with, 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 with Jesus, and, 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 and I believe them. I do believe that they're genuinely having encounters. 
But I believe there's levels of the encounters that we have with the Lord that we get glimpses of who he is. We can see him. But when the manifest presence of God shows up, you cannot do nothing but tremble. There's a difference. Like I hear people say, oh, I was there. Yes, I saw. And Jesus was standing there in front of me. And, and it was so beautiful. And I'm like, okay, great. I believe, I believe you had an encounter with the Lord. But it was a glimpse of who he is. Because the fear of God. When I had that encounter with the Lord, my body reacted. Every muscle, tissue, fiber of who I was responded to the king of kings. That everything, I couldn't do nothing but speak. Oh my God, your presence. It, it, it just, you can't. We got, the fear of the Lord has to come back. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. The reverential fear of the Lord. Right now, the Lord could walk in to a church and the, walk right in, walk to the front aisle, sit in the front seat, and everybody will miss it. Now is the time. We need to have the same passion for truth of the kingdom that we do for the harvest and for souls. Some of us are, are so, I'm all about souls. We got to go get the harvest. We, we got to do it. That we, we need, that's important. We need that. But we have to have that same passion for the kingdom of God to be here on earth. Because you can't have the harvest if you don't have the kingdom, and if you don't have the kingdom, what kingdom are you giving them? Honestly, we, you know, uh, it's almost as if the fear of the Lord is almost not even in the churches sometimes. We, 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 what we're seeing manifested is the American gospel. And where we have a formula, how we do things in our churches now. Where the pastors or the leaders of the, or, or, or whatever, who's, who the ministers, how they are subjected to their boards. And the elders. And they won't speak the truth because when they begin to speak the truth... Next week, they're going to have a vote. And when they vote, the pastor has to worry about whether or not he's going to get a paycheck. Guess what? I don't get a paycheck. So we can talk the truth. Ah, I'm just saying. Mm. We're so, motiv they're so motivated by, by fear of the board. I went to, true story, we're traveling, I go and I get, I, I get invited to minister at a, at a Baptist church, a Baptist church. It was a Southern Baptist. And they go and I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the, in, in the, the this, this church 
And the, the pastor says, he brings me up to the, in front of his congregation. His board was there and all the people were there. Yeah. And he introduces me and he has to do a disclaimer. And he, he sits there and he says, well, your name is so-and-so and you believe in this Bible and you believe in this. And, and, and he gives me the whole rundown. I said, yes, yes, yes. And he tells me, I don't want you praying in tongues. He told me that in the back office. Don't pray in tongues. Don't do any of that stuff. I'm like, man, Lord, how do you want me to do all this? So I'm praying in the spirit of my head. I'm, yeah, I'm like this. Yeah. And the power of God shows up. And his board was deaf. No, listen, pay attention, you guys. I want you to hear what I'm saying. His board, who who they were they were one of them was deaf, one had a, a leg, a metal, I don't know what happened, but but their board comes up for healing, gets set free, the miracle comes, she takes out her hearing aids, and she can hear completely, completely healed. The pastor then freaks out grabs the microphone from me. He says, no, you, you don't understand. I need to tell this story. I've taken this person to the hospital for the past 10 years. I've taken her to all of her doctor's appointments. She is deaf. She gets healed. And then his other person on his board comes up, starts running around the church completely healed. Before you know it, all of his board members in his church got wrecked by the glory of God. And we're sitting back saying, holy ghost, you're awesome. The pastor comes up and gets the microphone. He says, listen, I don't care if there's one person left in this church. I will not stop God from doing what he's doing right now. That's what I'm talking about. Holy ghost. <laughs> we have to get the fear of the Lord back in the church. We have a watered-down gospel that empowers sin and removes kingdom authority. <laughs> the church doesn't talk about sin. Because when you start talking about sin, it makes people feel uncomfortable. It makes people feel uncomfortable. So, and uncomfortable doesn't pay the bills. Listen to what I'm saying, because I, I want you to hear my heart, because the Lord's saying now is the time. I mean, we can, we can joke and laugh about this stuff, but this is something that's happening right now in the church, in this nation, and it's serious. I was in my office, and I felt, I felt the, the wind of God hit my chest, and when it hit my chest, my eyes almost, like, he says, Sunday. There's going to be a shift. I'm like, okay, Lord. I feel the shift. I f <laughs> oh, breath of God. Come. You don't want to. They don't want to. They empower sin. And it removes kingdom authority. We magnify the devil. Well, we minimize God. And what happens is we get into this, this understanding like we, like, big devil, little God. 
But the truth is, we serve a big God. And the devil is under our feet. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's heaven's reality. That's heaven's reality. I'm not talking about religion or religious perspective. I want to give us a kingdom perspective on where we're going and how we need to, we need to be ready. Now, when I say be ready, I know most, most religious people would say, amen, brother, the time is near. We got to be ready. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm not preparing to go to the rapture. I mean, if it happens, it happens. Great. Praise God. It's, I mean, that's great. See, don't hear what I'm not saying. See, religious bubbles just went, ding, ding, wait, wait, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? But listen, I wasn't created, I wasn't put on this earth to just do what I do so I can escape to heaven. Heaven doesn't need me. Heaven doesn't need you. Doesn't. Earth needs you. To bring heaven here. That's why the Bible says, the word says, Matthew 10 talks about it on earth as it is in heaven. That kingdom come, right? If we want to see a move of God, if we want to see revival, hmm, listen, if you want to see a move of God, it's going to require more than a Sunday morning service. It's going to require more than just your normal church service. You know, you think about people that are in karate and they get a black belt. I mean, I would love, man, can you imagine me in a black belt? Like, that was my dream when I was a kid. Like, I wanted to be a black belt. I could beat everybody up. But but then you get to the classes. I remember we oh Lord, we put Peter in karate one time. <laughs> I promise I'm not gonna tell no bad stories. But he was in it, man. He was kicking and you know. And then I I saw him like man, this is my little ninja boy. He's gonna do it. But you know, it requires work. It requires discipline. You want to see heaven invade earth? It requires something of you. It requires your intentionality. It requires you spending time in that secret place. It requires you to go a little bit deeper than a Sunday morning. It requires something of you. Listen, some of us are okay just being the normal, listen, quote, air quote, Christians. And I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not. Really, I'm, I promise you I'm not. If the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. But if you're content just going to church and just doing churchy things, God will meet you where you're at. He will. But me, I'm like, God, put me in the game, coach. I, that's where I'm at. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see miracle signs and wonders. I want to see people coming out of wheelchairs. I want to see hospitals emptied. I want to see people walking out of, like, miracles. 
creative miracles, eyeballs, limbs, legs. That's what I'm going for. Why? That God would be the glory. Can you imagine? Miracles happen here in Little Holiday City, population 54. Dead bodies are being brought here. The news would say, we don't know what's going on, but there's something happening in a small city, in Holiday City, where dead bodies are being resurrected in the name of Jesus. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Why not, Lord? Mm. Some believers... They want to live like they don't know Jesus. They want to go to the club. Listen, I, I, I'm going to speak for myself. I did it. I did that many years. My younger years, I mean, I'm like, I was one foot in, one foot out. Turn it all about, right? <laughs> but true. You want to be, you, you, you want to come and, 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 you, you, you're talking about the glory, and, and, but yet you're, you're having sex outside of marriage. You're at the club drinking beers and getting high, smoking weed, doing your thing, fornicating. Uh, but yet you're posting Facebook things of your favorite preacher. Those little TikTok videos. Do you know God? All while you're playing games with God. See, now is the time. God is saying there is an expectation that He's putting on the bride. Now is the time. We've replaced repentance. I said the word repentance. The R word. Man, you know that's a bad word in some ministries. Some circles, repentance is a bad word. Ooh, Mufasa. Repentance. We've replaced repentance with a false grace message. And I can get into this message. Listen, I've done, we've done television programs. We've done schools on this grace and the greasy grace. And if you want that stuff, I'll give you links to that. But we replace repentance with a false grace message that says you can live a lifestyle of sin and still go to heaven. It's dangerous. And I'm not going to sit up here and try to give you the answer to a God question. But I can give you what the word says. You can't play games with the Lord. Every one of us will have our day in front of the Lord. And there's going to be questions that he's going to ask us. And we have to have the answer. Hey, what were you doing with that woman that day? Hey, why did you do that to your brother and sister? 
Why did you steal all that money? You never even said you're sorry. You just, I'm, I'm just, these are just things that I'm just speaking. I mean, it could be anything. Holy Ghost. Don't get quiet on me, guys. Repentance has become a bad word. Some ministries believe that. I'm just going to say this. Hmm. Holy Ghost, give me wisdom on this, Lord. So, repentance is actually a love word. It is a love word. Because he gives us an option because he loves us so much that he says, listen, no matter what you did or have done, let it go. Repentance, right? The word for repentance is metanoia. means to change the way that you think. He says, let it go. Change the way you think. No longer agree with that and move forward. That sounds like a loving God to me. You know, Jesus made a powerful statement. I believe it's probably the most powerful statement he ever made, and it was this. He said, it is finished. Come on. And you know what that means? That means that all of the sins of humanity from then to now and what is to come was taken to the cross. And that the, the righteousness of heaven the righteousness, of, the righteousness of Jesus was imputed inside you and I that we are now made right. The, we are in right standings. God the Father looks at us and he sees the blood. He sees the blood. I was speaking to somebody about this the other day. And somebody, when, when, you, when you continue to live a lifestyle of sin, when you continue to live in that and you know better, you're moving in rebellion. And when you move in rebellion, which is rebellion is that of a witchcraft. So now you're moving into witchcraft, and it says witchcraft is that of an abomination. Come on, can we follow the pattern? And it all comes from a lifestyle of living in sin. But God makes it so easy for us. You know that it should be so hard for us to live in sin. Did I say that right? Yes, I said that right. No. <laughs> it should be so hard for us to live in sin because Jesus made it so easy for us to walk in righteousness. He really did. That's the kingdom. Now is the time. He said it is finished. Now this is where we it gets that statement can get real sticky because that doesn't mean now you get to go do whatever you want to do. It means now you get to walk a lifestyle 
beyond the cross. Walking in the fullness of the authority of what God and who God created you to be. Hmm. You know, it's a cra- it is crazy for us to believe that we can have ungodly character and expect godly results. But yet that's the, you know, that, you know, God's not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar. God is not, God is the, he knows what he's doing. But yet we have believers that are praying, oh, Lord, why don't you do this and do that? And, but yet the character, they have ungodly character, but they want godly results. It's like a person trying to lose weight, but they don't want to keep eating Chicken fajitas. I like tacos, so I, I, I use that one. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I don't know where I come up with this stuff, man. <laughs> so, so we, listen, we're from San Antonio, and everybody primarily is Hispanic there. So, you know, we can go and minister with a nombre, shut up, you know. We can talk like that, and everybody understands it, you know. Here, if I say, nombre, everybody's like, what? <laughs> so I, I, I have to be appropriate. <laughs> Appro- appropriados. Okay, so let me get back. Holy Ghost, come. <laughs> but listen, there is a cry for holiness right now in the church. Amen. Heaven is crying for holiness. Come on, the angels, it's just the angels are on the throne singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty all day and all night. Can you imagine? Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. And we do it for 45 minutes. It's like, I gotta go, you know. Got an appointment you got to get to. Come on. I'm just being real. There's a cry for holiness in the church. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians, please. <clears throat> Verse 7. Can I, can I get a bottle of water, somebody, please? I'll, I'll take anybody's. I don't care. I'll share. <laughs> Thank you. I see everybody looking for their own bottle. Like, <laughs> let's keep it holy. Let's keep it holy. Okay. Some high quality H2O. <laughs> Let's turn to 2 Corinthians verse 7. <laughs> oh, uh, check, just chapter 7, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. <clears throat> but it says, Beloved ones, with promises like these and because of our deepest respect and worship of God, We must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit 
and continue to compete, complete the development of holiness within us. Again, I urge you, make room for us in your hearts. For we have wronged no one, corrupted no one, and taken advantage of no one. I'm not saying this to condemn you, for I have already told you that we carry you permanently in our hearts, and you'll stay throughout our lives. For we live together and die together. With an open heart, let me freely say how very proud I am of you and how often I boast about you. In fact, when I think of you, my heart is greatly encouraged and overwhelmed with joy despite our many troubles. Even after we came into the providence of Macedonia, we found no relief. We were restless and exhausted and trouble met us. Some of us have been really restless, exhausted, and trouble met us at every turn. Outwardly, I faced conflicts and inwardly emotional turmoil. But God, who always knows how to encourage the depressed, encouraged us greatly by the arrival of Titus. We were relieved not only to see him, but because of the report he brought to us, how you refreshed his heart. He told us of your affection towards me with deep remorse and how concerned you were, uh, were, were for me. This truly made my heart leap for joy. Then verse 8, he says, Even if my letter made you sorrowful, see, He's writing these letters and he's bringing correction to the church. He's telling, you need to get some things right. Because even then he was saying, listen, now is the time. And he says right here, even if my letter made you sorrowful, I don't regret sending it. Even though I felt awful for a moment when I heard how it grieved you. Now I'm, now I'm overjoyed, not because it made you sad, but because your grief led you to deep repentance. You experienced godly sorrow and the, as God intended. It brought out, it brought again, it, I'm sorry, it brought about gain for you, not loss. So that no harm has been done by us, God designed us to feel remorse over sin in order to produce repentance that leads to victory. This leaves us with no regrets, but the sorrow of the world works death. Did y'all get that? Hmm. Continue. Can't you see the good fruit that has come as God intended because of your remorse over sin? Your repentance will bring good fruit. When you're in a place of sorrowfulness and you repent, good fruit comes. Even though you may feel a little conviction at the time and you may feel like, man, I don't, this hurts. What God's wanting to do is bring joy. 
because he knows what's good for you and I. You are eager to do what is right. Repentance will make you eager to do what is right. Why? Because repentance will put you in right standings. Look at the indignation you experienced over what happened and how alarmed you became. What holy longing it awakened. What passion for God and how ready you are you were to bring justice to the offender. Your response has proved that you are free of blame in this matter. Come on, man. I want y'all to meditate on that, on that, on that chapter more because, I mean, we may have to just break that one whole apart. So I'm going to ask a question. Are you sorry? I'm not asking what you're involved in. I'm not asking what hidden sin, what's hiding in your closet. I remember we would all hear, we all got skeletons in the closet. Like, oh, don't open mine because, man, I've got all kinds of bones in there, right? But we, there, we all have something that we haven't given to God. Whether it's for pride, whether we just don't want to let that go. We don't want nobody to look differently at us. What do you mean you're a Christian and you're dealing with anxiety? How does that work? You know, what do you mean you, you had suicidal thoughts? What do you, what do you mean? You're, you're, you're <laughs> I'm going to give you five different types of false Repenters, repentees, or repentances. Number one, and we can we can all gauge ourselves with this. I'm almost done, guys. Okay, I know we're gonna, but we can gauge ourselves with this. Number one, we have the calamity repentance. Calamity repentance. This is where those who repent. When things get bad, I'm lying in a hospital bed with an AK-47 shot in my stomach and came out my back. I'm dying. I'm dying. And I said, God, <laughs> I'm not ready to die, Lord. Please forgive me. If you save me, I promise you I'll serve you, Lord. Calamity repentance. Now, mind you, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe the Lord cares how it looks. And this is not judgmental if it's wrong or not wrong. The Lord will meet us where we're at. At that moment, it was real for me. But what brought that on was the calamity. Calamity repentance. Which when bad things happen, Pharaoh did the same thing in Exodus 9, 27 and 34, when he saw the fire from heaven, and then he said, I have sinned. But did he truly repent? No, not at all. When God stopped the fire, what did he do? Pharaoh hardened his heart. It wasn't a true repentance. 
So then we also have the escape repentance. I've done this one too. I'm going to be honest, guys. Listen, if it's just me being honest, because I know y'all are all holy and stuff, you know. <laughs> but I've done this one. Man, I used to do this all the time when I was a you know, teenager. You know, what is that? Many will only repent because of the consequences. You're living in fornication. You're sleeping with all kinds of men and women. You're doing all kinds of, you have a lifestyle of homosexuality, whatever it looks like. And you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. And you know the consequences is death, according to the word. I'm just, you know. But we'll repent for those things, but we'll never truly understand the heart of the Father. We won't. Balaam, in the midst of his disobedience, said, I have sinned. Swords drawn to kill him. Let's, let's turn there. Let's, let's go to uh, Numbers 22. Numbers 22, I'm going to be in verse 31 through 34. And again, I believe I'm reading out of the Passion here. Or it might be New King James. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. He only confessed and he only, when he knew the angel of the Lord was standing before him. If he wasn't standing before him, he would have continued doing what he was doing. Number three, exposed repentance. What is exposed? In Joshua 7.20, it says, I have sinned, but only after he was exposed of taking the spoils. Achan never confessed it until God supernaturally picked him out of Israel as a sinner. We see a lot of this right now, and sadly, we see it in the church. My heart gets grieved when I can turn on and I can see a certain network television show and they're doing an expose on 
certain ministries and how the pastors or the, the leaders are being exposed. And the only reason why they're repenting and they're coming in front of the church and please forgive us and this and that and, you know, we, we were wronged and this and that. But the only reason why they're doing it is because they got exposed. Had they not been exposed, would they have come forth and said, please forgive me, I've been living in sin. Again, listen, I need you to hear my heart. Y'all know my heart. This is not that judgmental kind of uh, uh, message, but, but we need to speak truth. We can talk about the glory because we love the glory, the presence of power, but this is just as important. Because if we're not living a life of repentance unto the Lord, we can't step into that place of the glory with God. We can't. We can't raise the dead. Like you're going to go, I mean, we can't. I mean, we don't do it either way, but the Lord's doing it. But I don't know. I guess God will do whatever he wants to do. I don't, I don't, I don't try to figure out what he does. But. So number four. The embarrassed repentance. King Saul feared the people. And obeyed their voice. But after Samuel confronted him, he cried out in desperation and pride, saying, I have sinned. But he also wanted to be honored in front of men and in Israel. It's in 1 Samuel 15, 24 and 30. Number five. Okay, this is my, this is my, second, my first closing. Here we go. Closing up right now. Number five, reward-based repentance. Shimna threw rocks at David and cursed him when he was fleeing for his life. But when David became king, he was handing out rewards. Shimi, I can't, showed up repenting came repenting so he could receive a piece of property. I would call that deception too, though. I mean, I, but sometimes we do that. Sometimes we do that in human nature. If you, somebody has something that you need, man, I can't really stand that brother or sister, but I really need that. Hey, brother, how are you? Oh, praise God. Yeah, I've been thinking about you. and All because you have a motive. Oh, by the way, hey, listen, I was wondering, do you think I can borrow that, that, that jack for the car? I got a flat tire and I need a jack. Right? Reward, blaze, repentance. Second, Sam, uh, Second Samuel 19.20 talks about that. Many will repent so God will bless their families. The church today, we must understand what is true repentance. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, it is finished. I don't believe we have to go around. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. Because when we live a life surrendered unto Christ, it should be really hard for us to walk in that place. Because we're walking in that 
lifestyle surrendered to God. But you know when you need to repent. So remember, the last word given to the church, many people say this, the last word given to the church was, go into all the world. But that wasn't the last word to the church. The last word to the church was in Revelations 3. And it said this. It says, it says, uh, repent. I'm going to read the scripture. We're going to turn to uh, Revelations 3. This is the last word to the church. And the angel of the church in Sardis writes these things and says, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you received and heard, hold fast and repent. These are red letters, by the way. This was, this was the last letter to the church. And the very last, one of the last things he says was repent. So there's something significant about that. Um, Charles Spurgeon, Sir Spurgeon, wrote, Repentance is always a companion of faith. They go hand in hand. Let man, let no man speak evil of repentance. I have given, um, oh, I'm sorry. You must hate sin. You must perceive evil of it. And you must turn from it and live according to the instincts of the divine life communicated. As well as according to the ordinance of the divine rule made unto you. Or, yeah. Now is the time. You know, I believe the Lord is trying to, he's wanting, he's wanting us to stop playing games. This is not a message of condemnation at all, guys. But I really feel like it's a, it's a, it's a message of activation. Because his mercies are new every morning. And there's nothing that you and I will do that will ever separate us from the love of God. And that there's something that's in your life that you're holding on to. Only you know what it is. Only you know what it is. You need to surrender it. Because, see, the enemy wants your identity. He wants your identity. He wants to get you to a place of not seeing who you are as a son and a daughter. He doesn't want you to know who you are and the power that you that you you're a container of his glory. Because if you have an understanding of who you are and whose you are, man, ain't no gates in hell that can stop you. There's you are like a nuclear bomb of glory ready to explode and bleed over into everybody. And that's true. <clears throat> But we cannot live a life and be two-faced and have two pulpits 
Listen, I, I even take this. This is not a word. I apply this to myself. I was in a conversation the other day with some, some friends that we love, and, and I began to speak. And I was speaking, and I began to say things about a person. And I, I stopped right there in my I'm like, man, Lord, I'm sorry, God. I repent. Why? Because it wasn't kingdom. Lord, I'm sorry, God. Forgive me, Lord. You see, everybody is in a different place. Some of you are dealing with jealousy. You're jealous of the person next to you. I'm not saying in this room, but. Some of you are dealing with identity issues. Some of us are dealing with sexual immoralities. The Lord wants to take that away from you today because now is the time. Let's stand. I'm going to open up the altar. If I can get the, the worship up here. I don't know if he's here or not. Or oh, you just turn it up, yeah. Just turn it up for me. And we can get the lights down, please. I want to give us an opportunity because this is nothing that I have. I don't forgive sins. I don't, nothing, no. But I want to give an opportunity this morning because we're going to open up. And I believe this. I believe there's something about a prophetic act as we step forward. We begin to activate. And we begin to agree with heaven, what heaven is declaring over our lives. This is not about, ooh, what did that person do? Ooh, ooh, I wonder what that brother did. No. And if you're looking at that, shame on you. But I want to open up the altar this morning. If there's anything right now in your life that you need to lay down, we're going to lay it down at the altar this morning. Did you have something you wanted to share with One of the biggest things that I have seen try to come and rob from the body these past weeks is our time. When there are things in your life that are taking you away from being with Jesus and spending time with him, it could be a job, it could be watching Netflix all day, it could be, it could be, there's so many things that can take up your time. And I believe even in that, Lord, forgive us that we've spent more time on other things and not enough time with you, Lord. Because when you spend the more time with him, then he begins to show you those pieces in your life that are not complete and they're not where they need to be. And I speak that even for myself. Like, God, show me those areas, Lord, where I need to, I need to shut down things. I need to stop those things in my life so that way I can be closer to you. This is about you getting closer to him, right. having intimacy with him. 
You know, when we were growing up and we did something wrong and we would come home to our parents, when we knew we did something wrong, we didn't even want them to see us because they knew we did something wrong. We knew they did so- that we did something wrong. And some of us have been walking like that with the Lord. And then the Lord's like, no, I want to meet you face to face. I want intimacy with you. It's okay if you made a mistake or you haven't been on the right path you're supposed to be on. But I want to see you face to face because I want to sit down with you. I want to talk with you in intimacy and tell you that, that you deserve more than what you've been ingesting. You deserve the very best. And you've been eating the scraps on the floor for too long. And now it's time for you to sit at the table with the Lord and dine with him and fellowship with him so you can hear the true plans he has for your life. And he's like, you have settled for the trash and the junk for too long. And you think, well, I just need a little quick snack to get me by. Well, the snacks are not going to work anymore. You need the real meat this season. You need the real stuff that's going to sustain you this season. And you're not going to get the stuff that sustains you and gives you strength and energy unless you get intimate with the Lord and you sit with him at the table and say, God, what do you speak about me, about my identity? What do you say that what kind of man was I supposed to be born for? What kind of purpose and destiny did you call upon my life? What do you say about me, God? Because the most important thing that anybody can say about you is what the Lord says. Not anybody else. It's what the Lord thinks about you and what the Lord says about you. And what his words are towards you are pure. And they're loving and they're kind. He's just realigning some things this morning. That's why this is important. We can't move forward if something is not aligned. Jesus is our ultimate chiropractor who aligns everything in our life. So we're going to open up the altar. And whatever you need to lay down this morning... Just lay it at his feet. And I tell you what, now is the time. There's a shifting that God is doing. And even the prophetic act of walking forward speaks to the heart of wanting to be free.